This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. You're listening now to the Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Well, good morning, everyone, from beautiful San Diego, California, once again. The birds are singing, Ahano, and as long as the birds are singing, everything's fine. Okay, we got the little hummingbirds drinking nectar outside our window with this little beautiful purple flowers we have, whatever these trees are, right outside our window. And we're lucky to hear their little chirps every morning and hear the other birds. So I'm happy, Ahano. How about you? Well, we almost missed that wonderful day yesterday, and of course today, the summer solstice, the 21st day of June, the longest day of the year, and my mother's wedding anniversary, she always said it was the longest day but the shortest night. <laughs> anyway, this is an amazing time. It really is an amazing time, and Engel Rose speaks about the birds, and the fact is that life is going on. Outside our window, we've got the most marvelous pumpkins growing and courgette and uh, green beans and various other things. And it's absolutely joy to behold, easily done by anybody in the smallest space and something that we encourage very, very strongly. Yes, Ahanu, and today we're going to have our wonderful guest, Janice Barcella, return to us. She's talked to us before about birth and basically how children are born and how unnaturally they're born and as well as various other things. And today she's going to be talking to us about the Anastasia series of books. And I'm really excited about this, Ahana, because we've started to read the Anastasia series on her on her uh, recommendation. Uh, I think it was after the first time she was on, we went and we bought the whole series. We're only on book three. Uh, we go to breakfast and we... Hannah reads to me out of the book, so it's a little slow, but uh, we're already affected by them, and so we know Janice has read all of them, and so we're going to be hopefully sharing information that you and I don't yet know about them, but that she finds very important to share with people today. So we're really, really looking forward to that. But do we have announcements first, Hannah? Yes, we do. And for those of you who are new to our show, that was Angel Rose speaking. My name is Ahanu, and you're listening to the Honest to God series, broadcast every Saturday morning, 8 a.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Mountain Time, 10 a.m. Central, 11 Eastern. And of course, for our friends in Europe, it's around 4 p.m. in the afternoon, Greenwich Mean Time. Our announcements today are, of course, that our 8 Steps to Freedom program is available at 8 Steps to Freedom, all hyphenated dot com. Angel Rose's book, A Time of Change, is at atimeofchange.info. Her new book, she's working feverishly on it, will be out in November. You can pre order it at the nature of reality.info. And of course, our online group, Akashic Record Sessions. Now, this is something that we really encourage everybody to get involved in because it's a marvelous way of getting your questions answered, first of all, but also and more importantly, connecting with that place in spirit that we call Paradise Earth and getting answers from that place. And that is every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. 
Pacific time. And you can find out more information about that at worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word, worldofempowerment.com. That site is dedicated to all our work with the Akashic Records. And that's been picked up on iTunes and CD Baby, so you can actually download the transcripts, you can listen to the um, MP3s, you can order the physical CDs of each of those, or indeed just read the transcript in the form of an ebook. And that's available, of course, on the Kindle platform. Now, Angel Rose also has a workshop coming up pretty soon that is pro has proved to be very popular in the past, but it's also re reaching fever pitch here in San Diego. We have so many people wanting to get involved. It's psychic surgery for to become a practitioner in psychic surgery. And it's a weekend on July 13th and 14th. And you can find out more information about that on her website at angelrose.com. That's A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. And of course, people have been demanding of me that I do a spirit art class. And I have decided that, yes, I'm going to do that. It will be in July. I haven't firmed up the dates. It's very likely to be the weekend following Angel Rose's psychic laser class. So that will probably be the 20th of July and I will be posting information about that on ahonu.com ahonu.com okay that's more or less it I want to say to people who have been interested in learning the Akashic Records that Angel Rose will be doing it but it's more likely to be in August or September and you can contact us and express your interest at either angelrose.com or worldofempowerment.com so there's a number of things coming up that we're very very excited about now let me just do a brief summary uh, by way of an introduction to our wonderful guest today who we've have on, had on twice in February and March where she was discussing birth trauma and conscious conception Janice Barcelo she's an independent childbirth educator specializing in the prevention and healing of birth trauma she's an international speaker a TV and radio show host and founder of the Birth of a New Earth Preparatory School for Conscious Procreation. She has been an independent childbirth educator for the past nine years, offering educational seminars and teacher trainings and courses designed especially for men. And you can find out more information about her by going to birthofanewearth.com. Now, she is dedicated to awakening all future parents to the importance of conscious procreation and to educating young adults about the power that we have to transform the earth by transforming the way that we give birth. She was enthralled with the Anastasia books and found they gave her insight into best practices for the conception, gestation, birth and education of children. Now what are these Anastasia books? There are a series of nine books telling the story of a remarkable woman named Anastasia who was discovered in 1995 by a Siberian trader named Vladimir Migre while he was plying the waters of the remote Ob River. Anastasia was born in the forest in 1969 to parents who died tragically when she was just a baby and living without warm clothes, food cultivation or man-made shelter she survived on fruits, nuts, berries and mushrooms brought to her by wild animals with which she lives in peaceful harmony in the forest. Vladimir Migre initially spent three days with Anastasia, during which she displayed such astounding knowledge, power and wisdom that he abandoned his business and, at her request,
began writing the series of nine books. She told him she would encode the books with an energy that would cause them to sell in the millions. Despite his lack of writing experience, that's exactly what happened. And it's Anastasia's ability to strike a chord in the heart of the reader that makes these books so very unusual. The purity and power of her words is provoking an outpouring of joy and hope in people from all walks of life. Now we have nothing to do with these books. We're not promoting them. We're not invested financially in them in any way. But in the first three books that we've read, we have to say that every word I've said about those books is absolutely true. It's a remarkable series. It's called The Ringing Cedars. And here now to speak about them is Jenny Sparcello. Good morning, Janice. Hello. Are you there? Yes. Yes, that's Good. correct. Yay. <laughs> Yay. I, I do want to let people know that the Ringing Cedars books are the most important books on the planet right now. That I, I mean, they're the, they made me want to throw all my other books in the trash because the quality of the information coming through that series is unlike anything I've ever encountered. And I'm an avid reader, you know. So I do, I, I'm not financially invested in the books either, but I do highly recommend that people go get the books, and they can be found at Ringing Like a Bell and Cedars Like, like the Trees, ringingcedars.com. So I, I have to say that they radically altered my life, and the information about human sexuality was at a level that I had never encountered. And I read a lot of information about sacred sexuality, Tantra, male-female relationships, you know, all this um, what I'll call highfalutin nonsense about human sexuality that is so far from the truth, and yet people have, have gravitated toward it um, in a way that's really damaging to the relationships of love and to the quality of life for their children because how we have sex, you know, influences how we conceive our children. Janice, let's, let's go back just for a second and um, first tell our listeners how you discovered the books and then I would like you to, you know, tell us exactly what does Anastasia say about human sexuality and the sex act. Okay. Um, how I discovered them was I was living on Maui, and I picked up one of those uh, monthly periodicals that are at the health food store. And I opened, you know, and started reading the periodical, and there was a page, a one-page, you know, segment from the Anastasia books that, in which she was talking about from book one, when you're planting a garden and you're ready to plant your seeds, simply put the seeds in your mouth for nine minutes. Put them under your tongue and walk on the earth with your bare feet where you're going to plant those seeds. And in those two very simple actions, I mean, there's a little bit more to it, but in those two actions, the earth and the seeds will have information about the human body and about what's going on in your body. And the food that is produced will be specifically to support you and your body. Now, that really affected me 
but what affected me more is that my daughter's name, my daughter uh, Anastasia was actually born dead in 1998. And that experience of, of the stillbirth and then watching her on um, neonatal intensive care machines and watching them torture her basically really set me on the path that I'm on today in terms of understanding birth trauma and understanding what's happening in hospitals. My daughter's name was Anastasia. Okay, the books are about a woman named Anastasia. And when I read that segment in the periodical, I knew that my daughter was talking to me mm. about the kind of earth that she needed me to create mm -hmm. in order for her to be willing to come and to stay here. Wow. Because she's a different quality right. of energy, mm -hmm. okay, than most of the children that are incarnating right now. Right. And the that's how I got into the books. I just knew that I had to get the books, and I was so poor at the time that I couldn't even afford to buy one book. You know, it mm -hmm. took me like months to save up money, you know, or to finally manifest $16 that I could use because I was so in survival mode. The trauma of losing my baby and almost hemorrhaging to death and watching them torture her, and then all of this stuff just really put me in a very bad vortex of trauma. So it took me a while to get the $15, literally, to buy the first book. And then I worked very, very hard to um, get the rest of the money, you know, to continue to buy the books. And lucky for me, the publishers of the books happened to live on Maui at the time, and I, was, I worked for them very briefly. So I had access to the books, and I had access to... Um, the quality of the information coming through the book. And it took me four years, literally, after reading the books and rereading the books and rereading the books, at least four times I've read through the books, um, to actually integrate, especially the information about sexuality, because that was the hardest piece for me. And I think it's the hardest piece for most people who are reading the books. And I'll say this, basically what the books are saying, this is it in a nutshell. Number one, we have to create a space of love, okay, for our families. And that space of love is intended for us to have a place on the earth that we can um, live in perpetuity. We can pass on this place that we create for our families to our families when it's time for us to depart this, this earth. And everything that grows in our space of love, everything that we create in that space of love um, is for the, the preservation of love. It's for our children to have a place to be incarnating into this dimension in a space of love. And children should be conceived and gestated and birthed in that space of love. So the space of love, the concept of the space of love is incredibly important and working with the earth, having a place on the earth where we're growing our food um, and we're making a connection with the divine mind through this place. And it's clear that the dark forces are doing everything they can to make sure that we do not have a place on the earth that we can um, keep in perpetuity. Mm -hmm. now, so people, you know, we're, we're living in, in apartment blocks, you know, yes. where people next to us and on top of us and underneath us. We don't even have a piece of land. Agenda 21 right now is trying to 
harness up all the land and shuttle everybody into these apartment blocks and, and to keep us separate because the key to our communication with the divine mind is having this family lineage place on the earth, mm-hmm. a place where we can go to regenerate, a place that has been prepared for us. Yes, it says, it says on the front, the back cover of the first book, it says, you are about to read some of the most shocking revelations to appear in thousands of years of human history, so significant that they're changing the course of our destiny and rocking scientific and religious circles to the core. Do, do you think that's a fair statement to make about the, these books and, and how are they different to any other books that you've read? You mentioned about throwing out uh, most of your others. You know, she talks about how the, the books are written like a musical score. And so the words are kind of put together in a very specific way, um, the way that music will evoke emotions. And she explains to us that it is through our feelings that we can know more in one millisecond of feeling something than weeks and months of trying to analyze it and figure it out with our minds. And so the books are written um, with words put together in such a way that they evoke deep emotions and they evoke deep uh, visuals, you know, visualizations of a flourishing, you know, earth filled with happy families and, and purity on the faces of the children, purity and innocence and joy and love, you know, which is our birthright and which is what the Creator is, is wanting for us, has always wanted for us. So it's, it's the emotions, the quality of the emotions that are evoked, you know, through the books and the visuals. Because when we, when so many people now who've read these books, millions of people, are carrying this image of the earth as a flourishing garden filled with happy families, you know, where we're in communication with all of the animals that live with us, and everything is just working in harmony. Okay, that visual, the more people that are holding that visual, the more quickly that future comes into form. And the dark forces are constantly feeding us demonic visuals, you know, visuals of war, visuals of death, visuals of destruction, visuals of of vampires and satanic stuff, left and right, you know, violence in sports and just horrific, horrific images are being projected at us and our children if we allow them to watch television or tap into these, to the, the visuals of the dark forces. But the power of images is, is a key, okay, to how we've been controlled. <clears throat> and also to breaking that spell by right. simply counteracting by simply counteracting it with our own image mm-hmm. of the future earth i do know that since we've been reading them that we certainly have noticed different feelings arising in us as well and it's the reason on uh you know when we do our sunday group at the end we we do a journey to this earth that is we call it Paradise Earth. We call it the same thing you're describing, where everything's in harmony. And the feedback we're getting from people who are doing this journey with us is the common denominator is there's no fear. 
and it's everything is loving and accepting and welcoming and flourishing and that is a common denominator with everybody who's journeying there and so we do know the feeling of that and it does increase and the thing is is from reading the books and doing that journey we've noticed changes in our own lives it, they just happen all of a sudden you're finding that you're thinking differently you're feeling differently and you know that gets extended outward and so I understand in a way the sense of urgency to get as many people as possible to come on board with this vision because when you read those books you know you can feel your heart longing um, for even the harmony she experiences with nature the cooperation that she has the connection that she has you find that there's this part of you that knows that this is the way it's supposed to be and you find yourself longing and desiring it and shifting yourself so that you can experience it. What do you think about that? Well, exactly. <laughs> you know, I, I think it, that's exactly right. And people should understand that Anastasia is a woman that lives in the Siberian forest. Yes, her, she lives there. Her and her children live there. Her father lives, I mean, her grandfather lives there, and her great-grandfather lives in the Siberian forest. And they've never... Um, lived in the technological world, right? They, they exist in uh, the pristine form that our species originally existed in without any technological interference whatsoever. And that the place where she lives was, is a space of love that was created for her by her parents. And she was conceived and gestated and birthed in that space of love just like her children are, conceived and gestated and birthed in that very space of love. And that space holds tremendous power for her and her family to connect with the divine mind and to be able to uh, be protected at all times from the attacks of the dark forces. So it is the technological world, and she speaks a lot about the technocratic path, the futility of the technocratic path, that we will come around to understanding the futility of it. Um, and it's getting more and more clear that the technological path that we're on is hurting everything. Yeah, it's destroying everything that is sacred and beautiful, including the human family. Mm -hmm. Yes, we're, we're seeing and evidence we of that all around us. Everywhere, everywhere you look. Yes. Yeah. You know, it's hard. I mean, it's it's also very easy to see the beauty of the original creation. You know, God's original design, which is always regenerating itself. We don't have to give it a lot of our attention. You know, it's just always there, replenishing itself, despite all the attacks by the dark forces, you know, with all the chemtrails and the harping and the radiation and, you know, on and on and on, these dark forces go and go and go mm -hmm. to try to destroy yes. this beautiful creation. But here's a question you know, for you. We are here's a question yeah. for you, Janice. In, 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 let me ask you to, this, sorry, let me phrase it this way, I, because I know what I want to say, but it's hard to put it into words. There's a lot of books out there and a lot of teachings out there covering 
the wide spectrum of spirituality. Do you think that this series of books is a kind of a subtle introduction to spirituality in that she doesn't directly speak about, you know, being more spiritual, but she talks about very, very practical things, slowly introducing uh, the, the concept of love and, you know, a deeper, more more connected way of living. Do you think it's a... Do you think it's masterfully woven into how she's how this book has been written, these series has been written, that it would help people to see the bigger picture? You know, I don't think Vladimir, the author of the books, gave it that much thought in terms of organizing the books in such a way, you know, as to evoke a certain kind of spirituality. I've actually met Vladimir, and I really don't think um, he has that level of awareness to actually specifically write the books in that way. And it's almost as if there's two authors for the books. You know, you can tell when Vladimir is speaking, and you can tell when he's sharing what Anastasia has told him. Mm. And the quality of the information is what is helping people remember. You know, it's like we, we know this, and we already know this. It's deep, deep in us, this, mm -hmm. this knowing that something's very wrong, and this knowing of how it should be, and even how to get there. We already know this information. But how she says it, you know, how it's brought forth, the, the emotions that are brought forth in us, yes, it brings a whole new level of spiritual awareness and understanding. And it's a remembering, you know, it's not like a, it's not like we're, we don't know this already. We know that we should be living closer to the earth, you know. <laughs> we know that we shouldn't be poisoning everything. We know that, that, that what's happening is a problem, you know. Yeah, Janice, okay. And we should know at some level, yeah. every time we're bringing in a child, you know, we should know that something is very wrong if we're giving birth in a hospital, even if we can't articulate what is wrong. Okay. There's a deep sense that something's wrong, you know? Yeah. Okay, Janice, will you, will you tell our listeners then, I, I'm going to turn this over to you for a little while, because you are right in the sense that everybody inwardly, well, most people, let's say, I won't say everyone, does have a, a sense that we are not living naturally. Okay, so I think what you would hear in return from people is they don't seem to know how to get out of the mess they're in, how to get out of the lifestyle they've created for themselves, which is so dependent on all these artificial things. So how would you help someone who has been living the artificial life? You know, what would we say to, to them to shift all that and turn them, turn their lives around. So, so can you tell us what, how to do it? Because that's what the question people have. I don't know how to do it. Okay, depending on your age, you know, and whether or not you are wanting to create children. Let's start with the older people who do not have any interest in creating children anymore. Okay, who may already have children on the planet. So. For the older people, it's very important to start bringing your hands back to the earth and to start uh, bringing love to the earth. You know, by simply planting seeds in the way that she describes, by putting them under your tongue and by walking on the earth with your bare feet, even walking on the earth with your bare feet where you live, 
you know, or somewhere close by where you live that you can, you know, develop a connection. This is ex an extremely important uh, thing to do. You know, it's very simple to start planting a garden, start growing your food, start walking on the earth with your bare feet, take a shower, you know, and after you take a shower at night, go out and stand on the earth with your bare feet and connect with a tree or a bush or whatever being is is around you, you know, that you can make a connection with and, and send love to the plants. Because there's an amazing book also that I'm reading right now called The Secret Life of Plants. And if we knew how aware these plants are of our emotions and how they respond to our emotions and to our thoughts, like how sensitive every living sentient thing is, we would behave completely differently if we understood this. And the way to begin understanding is simply by doing what I just said. Get back to the earth. Get your feet on the earth. <laughs> you know, make a connection and make a loving connection with plants and with trees. So that's a very simple thing. It's not going to bring people, you know, our generation, it's probably not going to bring us out of the technological way of life. It's going to take a couple of generations is what I think. But if you are young, and if you are planning to have a family, number one, read the books. It's extremely important. The most important thing that you will ever do for yourself and your family is to read the books and begin putting into action the creation of a space of love for your family. And take in the information. Like I have a whole curriculum designed for people who want to create life, you know, or people who are midwives and doers. But for the young people who are wanting to bring children in, that curriculum is, is educating about conscious conception, right, about gestation that's trauma-free, about birthing in the space of love, not in a hospital, right? You conceive, you gestate, you birth your baby in the space of love that you create with your beloved, you know, and when you're thinking of bringing forth a child, okay, before you ever bring your body together, go out in your space of love and plant a tree, you and your partner, right, with visions of your future child. See your child in that space of love. See your child happy. See your child, you know, filled with innocence and purity and a connection with the divine mind, with the creator of love. And this is not a Judeo-Christian God that I'm talking about. So it's important to release ourselves from the occult influences, these mind control influences that have taken us away from understanding the truth of the real creator. Right. The way to understand the creator is to connect with the earth. All right, that's a big piece. Create the space of love. Visualize your child. Plant the family tree. Okay. And, and what when all of this is done, you know, then you bring your bodies together. Okay. And what about teenagers or what about children who are already, have already been born and who are in the school system and are learning all these unnatural things about sex? I mean, how, would, how do we reach those people? Because those people are going to grow up to be the new progenitors of the children. And the truth is, 
if they're already been, you know, so so deeply influenced by the occult, it's going to be up to them to find us. Because, believe me, I've tried <laughs> to, to get the curriculum in the school systems, you know, um, to try to reach the young people, but there's a wall of resistance from the adults who are like the, the guards at the schools, you know, who will not let the kids get any real information because that would threaten a way of life. And so it's going to be up to the young people to seek out this information, to seek the teachers, to seek the truth, you know, to desire to break free from systemic control by the dark forces. And the school system is a fundamental part of this. It's a big problem. It's right. a huge problem. If you want to raise conscious kids, you cannot send them to, the, to schools. You have to homeschool them. You know, you have to instill in your children a value system that is not the one that's the mainstream culture. Because right. if they're in the school system, you know what they're learning. At 10 years old, 10-year-olds are, are sexting, okay, sending nude pictures of themselves through their cell phones. 10 years old, they're watching pornography and having orgasms to extremely disgusting and vile images. Yeah. At 10 years old, they're being introduced to condoms. They're being told by adults, you know, go ahead, have sex. As long as you have the condom on, you're safe. It's safe, you're protected. Go ahead, have sex, have sex, have sex. Right. This is the message mm -hmm. everywhere, through the mainstream media, through the education system, through pornography that's blasting everywhere on the Internet. You know, there's never a conversation about human love. There's, there's no, no quality for these kids to understand the most important thing you're ever going to do is to bring a child onto this planet. Right. The most important thing that you'll ever create mm -hmm. is love in your family and understanding how to preserve love in your family. And this is the, the core of all of life. Right. And there's no talking about this in schools. Right. Well, there's, there's no talking about it in a lot of families either, Janice. <laughs> you know? What? I said there's no talking about it in a lot of families either. You, you no, and the families are so suffering. You know, children children are not loved by their parents, and they're having a very hard time loving their parents. You know, it's this, this deep sadness that pervades our culture. Mm -hmm. um, in large part, it is, the, it is the fault of the parents because they've bought into the lies you know, they've never, they haven't questioned this way of life, and so they've conceived their babies haphazardly. And when children are conceived as a side effect of people's fleshy, you know, just because we want to get off on each other, and wow, life comes, oops, now what will I do? See, this is a problem. This, mm -hmm. is, a, a, this is a fundamental problem it is. for all of us. Mm -hmm. it is. No child should be conceived, you know, because of people's fleshy indulgence. That's every right. child deserves every child deserves to be wanted, to be you know, that their parents had an aspiration to bring them forward, to bring them here. I know, you know, and the them. and the damage of not being wanted lasts your whole life because um, 
you know, certainly I was one of those children, and my sister as well, and my mother being the good Catholic woman that she was, who wouldn't use birth control, uh, you know, wanted to please my father sexually, but she certainly was not consciously wanting to bring in children. And, you know, this is something that I've been struggling with my whole entire life, you know, just, um, me as well. Yeah. Just so you know that we're we're in the same uh, the same situation, and uh, I I would venture to say there's a very large proportion of our population yeah. that carries this sadness. Yeah, well. that's what it is. It's sadness of not being welcomed and not being able to feel loved or accepted or welcomed. I mean, uh, you know, I've been never found anywhere you know, on this planet that felt like home to me. I've moved around my whole life. And it's it's just a reflection of how I feel, that I don't belong anywhere, or there's no place that's welcoming me. You know, and it's, uh, it's so much evidence of that old pattern, and it is so destructive. And, you know, when I read... Uh, so I want to just touch on the education for a minute, Janice, because... Um, you know, obviously there has been a school um, created in the in the Russian Taga by um, based on Anastasia's principles of education, and I would like to talk about that. And um, because I started when I just read about Summerhill in England years ago, and I remember my children were already um, mostly out of school. My my girls were sophomores and juniors. And I remember when I read about Summerhill, I just sat there and I sobbed, you know. I sobbed like, oh, if I, if I had only, could only have gone to a school like that or brought my children to a school like that, how different we'd all be. And then we go and we read in Anastasia's book about the school they've created. So can you, can you tell our listeners about that and what her beliefs or uh, guidance about education is? Um, yes, before I do that, I do want to just back up for a second and say to you, um, like you, you know, I've, I've had a very hard time in terms of finding a place on the earth where I, where I, I mean, I deeply loved Maui and I deeply loved the earth there, but finding a place where I could take root and where I felt wanted and where I felt nurtured and safe, I've had that same, you know, journey as you as you described. Um, and I'm back in New York where I was born. Okay, and I've lived in this place, it's back in my parents' home, for two years, deeply connecting with the land here, and planting a garden, and going outside, just like I said, to connect with the tree, and I really feel like this space, even if my parents are not even part of this, this, this program at all, okay, this land wants me here. Because every living thing benefits from my love and my care for this place. And suddenly it feels like there's a place of protection for me. And I've created that simply by giving love to the things that live here. And doing what I can to nourish it, you know. Like, I mean, I'm always reading online about how to feed the plants, azomite and worm castings and effective microorganisms and anything that I can do you know, to try to bring health and well-being to the living things here. I've been doing it for two years, and I'm really feeling it. Like, it would be, it's going to be very hard for me to leave these plants 
It's bizarre to most people. But if I move, if and when I have to leave this land, I'm going to feel deep regret, you know, for leaving the plant. And I don't feel this kind of connection with my, my own parents. Do you think, Janice, going back to where you were born and doing what you're doing is healing, you know, that conception trauma, let's say? It's healing me at a deep spiritual level. I don't know if it's healing the conception trauma, but it is healing my separation from source. You know, my deep feeling that I'm not loved and not lovable right. is, is diminishing because... I know that all these living things care for me as I care for them. Right. Even if my parents can't do that. Right. I understand. Yeah. And they, their quality, their capacity for love would also increase exponentially if they made this kind of a connection with the land. Right. Mm -hmm. So I, I can't stress this enough. And I do think coming back to the place where I was born, like I wasn't born here on this property. Right. Coming back to this place and suddenly seeing the beauty here that I never saw growing up. I just never, this is like technological nightmare, Long Island. It's just, just unbelievably overdeveloped and um, very hard, you know, mm -hmm. to connect with the natural world here. But suddenly, because of what I'm doing in the place where I live, I, I suddenly seeing this exquisite beauty all around me. You know, that I never noticed before on Long Island. Right. So something is happening. Something deep is happening. Mm -hmm. And I can't stress enough. So I just wanted to speak to that. Yeah, Because I think you. there's deep healing. Okay. Yes. Yeah, thank um, you. Regarding the school, uh, the Shenaton School or the school in Tekos, Russia, Telkos, I forgot, I don't know how to pronounce it, is not necessarily based on the Anastasia principles. And... Um, not that those children haven't all read the books either. However, the way that they are um, being educated at the school <laughs> is brilliant because basically these children are building their own structures. Every stone that goes into the creation of a structure, they place. They do all the artwork. They cook all their meals. You know, they create everything in their environment. They are responsible for everything that's happening. They decide what they're going to study, who they're going to study with, you know, what topics are of interest to them. Um, they, it's very spiritual in the sense that uh, they make a connection with their ancestors. Like, let's say they have a group of kids that are very interested in math, and they're going to learn a 10-year curriculum in two years. And this group gets together and makes a connection with their ancestors who already know the information that they have to learn. And in the communication with their ancestors, they are receiving downloads all the time of the information, and therefore they have it done in two years. What takes a normal child 10 years in the school system to learn, they're doing in two years by making this, this spiritual connection. So um, there is a film about this school. Mikhail King uh, from the United States went there and created a film uh, it tells a little bit about the school and the amazing abilities of these children to um, read minds, number one, <laughs> and 
they're telepathic, and of course, right. <laughs> they have similar capacities to Anastasia, where they can warm somebody with their with their gaze. Mm -hmm. You know, um, when these children describe, you know, there's a scene in the Anastasia books where the girls are describing how their future partners, they're like 8, 9, 10, 11 years old, and they're describing what kind of men they would like to marry later in life, you know. And I was deeply moved by that because some of the things that the girls were saying was were like, uh, it should be a man who loves his motherland, right, who loves the earth, who loves Russia, because these, these kids are in Russia, had a deep love for Russia and a deep concern and willingness to defend her and protect her, you know? These kinds of qualities, it's very few women that are looking for a man that really loves the earth. Yes. You know, unless you've read the Anastasia books, most women are looking for a man that has money. That's right. You know, they're looking for very shallow, artificial, mm -hmm. um, lack of substance there. Mm -hmm. Some, some semblance of security that's really not security. But when a, when a young child is looking for a man that you know, has a proper value system. Yeah, we, we certainly were never taught to do are, that. That's right. These are things we'd like to instill in our own children, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> but the parents have to have that kind of quality of understanding Jenny, of what's important in just life. hold that and thought many there. Parents don't. Hold that thought and let's take a very, sure. very quick studio break. We'll come right back after this. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gail Rose and Ahanu. Now you're listening to Angel Rose and Ahanu on the Honest to God series and we're speaking with Janice Barcelo who is reviewing the Anastasia books with us, a full series of nine books and she can be contacted at Birth of a New Earth. Our sponsor this week is Diamond Sun Hosting, consciously hosting your spiritual website since 1993. And if you wish to sponsor an episode or the full Honest to God series, contact us at Angel Rose at angelrose.com. Now, you're speaking about the Anastasia book, and in particular, her view on education. And what I'd love to know, for the benefit of those listeners who, who, who's, who, knew, who are new to the Anastasia books, many, many people have the opinion that Anastasia is not for real at all, that this writer, Vladimir Migre, just made her up in order to be able to portray some concept of his. Do you believe that? What's your own opinion about that? I have met Vladimir Negre, as I said, and I do not think he's capable of creating this kind of information <laughs> mm -hmm. yes. or drumming up, you know, <clears throat> drumming up a, a fictitious woman with this quality of life, right. with this quality of character. Yes. Now it ra it raises another question, though, because he con in his in the way he writes, he constantly puts himself down as being not a good writer and not having the intelligence to be able to um, write coherently and so on. But do you think that's actually him being really masterful? In other words, he's portraying himself as not being a good writer, but at the same time, introducing dialogue that enhances. Anastasia. 
know, personally, uh, no, I don't. I don't think so. I, as I said earlier too, that I, I can tell when it's Vladimir talking and when it's Anastasia talking because there's a different energy coming through the books. And I think you'll you, people who read them will find themselves at points wanting to tune out. The information's not feeling that good. You know, it's uh, boring stuff like that. You can tell the difference. You know. Mm -hmm. That's all I could say. Vladimir yes. is obviously extremely intelligent. He's a competent entrepreneur. Um, he's interested in making money, and uh, he knows how to do it. So he's a businessman, and he's not stupid by any stretch of the imagination. But when I saw him, when I heard him speak, you know, he made some comments about uh, being sexually attracted to Anastasia you know, being lustfully drawn to her, he didn't say it in the way that I'm saying it. He said it in such a way that I was like, you know what, he hasn't integrated the information she's talking about around sexuality. Because look what he's saying. Mm. Look how he's acting in front of, you know, an audience. What he's saying about her. Yeah. So you... I can say for sure, he, does, he doesn't get a lot of what he's written. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay, the other thing, too, is you mentioned that she's living in the Russian uh, taiga with her children. Now, of course, we're only in book three, so we only know about the first child. Are all of these children Vladimir's, and how many did she have? Well, interestingly enough, we don't meet the second, we don't meet their daughter in the nine books. Um, we are present for the conception of their second child. And uh, I think that might take place in book eight or nine. I really can't remember. And that scene in itself, the conception of their second child and the preparation that Vladimir goes through, that his son, right, who's 10 years old, his son is the one who asked Vladimir to please create a sister for him. And do you know why he wanted a sister? It's because you know, Velodia, who's their son, has a very deep connection with the plants and the animals where he lives. But Velodia knows that he's going to have to go into the technological world to find his woman. Like, he knows that she's part of our culture. So he's going to have to leave his space of love at some point to go get her. But he can't just leave everybody there, all the living things there, without somebody else there to care for them. And that's why he wants a sister. Wow, that's incredible. Who can care for the space while he's gone. And, I'm sorry, did you have a question? No, I was just saying, were there more children than that? Just the two, or? Um, to my knowledge, not yet. You know, though, though, that's all that I'm aware of. Okay. That they created two. And I will say that uh, Velodia puts Vladimir through a very rigorous uh, cleansing process. <laughs> with the herbs and the forest and... and um, you know, very vigorous massage for several days in a row. Uh, Vladimir's puking and getting rid of all the filth, you know, that he's consumed from our world. And then his perception changes. And when he sees Anastasia after this whole cleansing and purification happens, that's when the second conception take, takes place. And I want people to note that Vladimir and Anastasia do not have sex. Okay, it's not, the concept of having sex does not apply here. There's never, ever a time where Vladimir and Anastasia are just having sex, to have sex. 
the only two times that they've ever brought their bodies together is for the purpose of creating life. Otherwise, Anastasia would never let him touch her mm-hmm. unless he had the desire to create a child with her. Right. You know, a and lot of people... This is a very important... Yeah, it is very important uh-huh. because, you know, we were raised Catholic and... Uh, that's one of the Catholic things that you don't have sex unless you're going to have children. And everybody would poo-poo that, you know, and say, oh, how ridiculous. That idea is that you'd, uh, you know, be with your husband every night and, you know, you wouldn't have sex together unless you were having kids. And do you, so do you really think that that is the way we should be living now? Where, you know, if you're married and what about when you're older and you're not going to have children anymore? I mean, do you do you believe that that you shouldn't be having sex together? I do. You do. I absolutely do. I, I am aware, you know, of the fact that. Let me let me see how to say this. Okay, I am aware that we when we open that life creating channel, it's always a life creating channel, whether or not we're interested in creating a life. <laughs> and when we open that channel, okay, beings are going to come. And they can be demonic beings or they can be beings that we define, you know, what kind of person, what kind of entity or child we're, we're willing to parent and willing to bring into this dimension. When we are not specifying, okay, what we're willing to let in, you see the problem we have in, on our planet right now. I do, yeah. Because all kinds of entities are getting in. That's true. And they're not loving. Mm-hmm. And they are destroying. Right. Okay, so this is, this is a very important spiritual understanding of the energy that we're working with and the channels that we're opening when we bring our bodies together, that we have been conditioned to poo-poo. Ah, big deal. Let's just have sex. Right. I mean, she talks about it, she talks about it in one of the later books. This is a very interesting thing. And it, it's still, you know, it's still hard for me to grasp it, but she says every time a man has a release, Every time he reaches orgasm, an entity gets created in space. Mm-hmm. And she talks about because of the intensity of the energy, okay, as it builds prior to release, and the speed with which that energy gets released, okay, that energy just doesn't go away. It, it, it becomes something. It is an entity. Right. Is it the same for women, Janice? It's not the same for a woman. Okay, but I mean, doesn't she? You know, I mean, aren't, aren't women? Having, yeah, aren't women capable? They're having so many orgasms, yes, especially while they're watching pornography. And pornography is a major, major channel for the demons to come through. Right. Yeah, I do know that. So every time a guy is in orgasm. Okay, while he's watching a porn movie, another demon gets created. 
Well, how about just the fact that he doesn't even he doesn't even have to be watching a porn movie. He can just be having the images in his head. That's right. Mm-hmm. But That's I think right. I think women have those images too, don't you? Well, I think that they do. Women, are, of course, are participating in this process very strongly. They are, you know, in my case, facilitating male orgasms. <laughs> Yeah. You know, participating in the creation of a release for the men. Right. So participating in the creation of the entities. that We're not aware of this, you know, because we're so spiritually disconnected that we don't get it. Yeah. But if you look at the condition of our species and the condition, how much pornography has influenced everything at this point and is all around us and is permeating every aspect of our lives, you know, you can see that there's entities all around that's why it's gotten so dark. Yes, I do. I do see that absolutely, and you know, even through all the advertising, I mean, there's nothing for sale on TV that doesn't have a, a sexy woman involved in some way, or some sort of image like that. But what do you, you know, what do we say to women who get the pressure from men? Where, you know, you'll hear this from men because, of course, they're they're built differently, but you'll hear all the time that they need it. They have to need it. They need it. They need it, you know? And if they don't get this release, then they start getting irritable. And, you know, they even equate it with, you know, if they do a lot of stuff for you, then they expect sex in return. You know, that's their reward for being a good partner or a good husband. I mean, it, it's really gone so crazy, but yet... You know, women buy into this. You know, they feel guilty. You know, you've I, I know that even since just being raised in my own family. I, I remember my conception. I remember my mother feeling that she had to give my father sex. And she, she, yeah. didn't, she did not want to. She wasn't enjoying it at all. It was just a function she felt she needed to do as a wife. So what do you say to all of that? Because that's pervasive around the world also. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, I don't know what to say to that except to say that women have to, you know, integrate what I'm, what I'm speaking about here. And they have to be so clear and so sure in themselves, you know, that they would rather be alone than have a partner who's not going to stand with them in this, in this truth. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So it's a very, you know... Frankly, I'm, I, I've only, I only know one other person, okay, she's a young woman, and she's just got it this year, okay, what I've been saying, mm-hmm. and now she's integrating it into her life, but I don't know anybody else that's really, you know, even people that have read the Anastasia books, they kind of gloss over this part of it, because <laughs> they want to continue having sex, and they're all talking about sacred sex, and all this nonsense. It's as if they didn't even read the information yes, that yes. she's sharing about human sexuality. Yes. She makes it very clear, you know, sex for its own sake is bad. It's very bad. Janice, would you be open to taking a caller on the line with, with a question? I sure am. Sure, okay, just bear with us a second. Uh, we have a caller from area code 917. Go ahead, caller. Yes, hi, Holly. Do I need a reading today? No. No, I'm sorry, not today. Okay, thank you. 
Okay, sorry about that. Let's try another line, uh, area code 504. Go ahead, caller. No, sorry, we've nobody on that line. Beg your pardon. All right, let's carry on. I, I want to ask you about the series in general, Janice, and can somebody dip in and out of the series? In other words, if they see book six or book seven in the shop and they buy that one book, will they still get the benefit or do they need to start at book one and progress their way right through to the end? You know, I don't know. I don't know. I read them in a progression. I recommend that they're, they be read in a progression because, you know, it's like a, it's a, it's cumulative. The information builds on the information from before. It is possible that you can get a lot out of just reading one book, I suppose. But I haven't done that, so I don't know how, how, how deep you can go into the understanding. Uh, is, is it the case book, too, Janice? Book one is very important. Yeah, is it is it the case too that after you read the full series and you go back and you start to read it again, do you do you see things in there that you didn't see before, or are you reading it and getting it at a different level each time you go over them? Yes, to both. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And this is why I read them so many times. You know, my books are so highlighted, <laughs> and not only did I read them, but I. Uh, I sat down, I created categories, you know, categories for conscious conception, for what, what's the qualities of a newborn, for um, sexuality, for the dark forces. I created categories, and I typed out all of these paragraphs, you know, that were important. Could that help me again, you know, by writing it out, help me really get the information even on a deeper level than I did when I was reading it? So writing it out through typing it out. Um, yeah, I've done a lot, you know, in terms of really wanting to get what she's saying. And then I went ahead and created a curriculum, right, half of which is based on what Anastasia is sharing. Mm -hmm. Because it's so, these are the keys. These are the keys to preserving love in families. You know, it starts with the creation of a space of love and conceiving our children consciously, not as a side effect of fleshy indulgence. This is very important. Right. This is extremely important. Because when children are conceived at the physical level only, they are missing several planes of their being. Right. She talks about the three planes of being. I don't know if you've gotten to that point yet. No, go ahead and talk about that. Basically, it's this. You create a space of love. Okay, you plant your family tree, right, while you're thinking about your child. That's plane one. Okay, plane two is you conceive your child in that space. Plane three is you gestate and birth your child in that space. And always, always, if that's done, right, all of the constellations, stars, planets, all the life forms all around that will have a connection with that child. And every time that child needs regeneration, later in life can come to that spot on the earth to be regenerated. Mm -hmm. But a child that's conceived, gestated, and birthed in a space of love, consciously, with intent, by parents that have, you know, parental thought 
has gone into the creation of this child, then the child can come in with, with his or her pristine capacities intact. Mm -hmm. And these capacities are quite extensive. If you look at what Anastasia and her children, especially her son, because we haven't met her daughter, but what her son is capable of doing, right? He can run circles around his father intellectually. It's just unbelievable. There's a scene in the books where, you know, Vladimir comes into the forest wanting to show his son, you know, some of the brilliant creations of the technological world. So he brings, one of the things he brings is a calculator. Vladimir, <laughs> Vladimir. <laughs> Yeah, he presents his son with this incredible creation of the technological world, this, this calculator. And he starts to add, you know, two plus two. And, of course, Velodia already knows the answer. And then Vladimir types in, like, a six-digit number multiplied by a six-digit number. And Velodia says the answer before it comes on the calculator <laughs> and does it repeatedly. Right. And so Vladimir's like... How do you do that? How do you do these calculations in your head so fast? And his son says, look, that kind of calculation is extremely basic and simple. Um, and those answers only exist in a dead universe. Wow. Goes, what do you mean? What do you mean these, these answers only exist in a dead universe? Well, and his son says, well, one plus one doesn't always equal two. You know, in a living universe, one, you, dad plus one, my mom, created me. That makes three. three. Yep. One plus one equals three, four, five, six, however many. Right. The one plus one creates. Or, or one tree, okay, is going to produce however many acorns or pine corns, right, to create however many more trees that are going to create hundreds more mm. of their own. See, mm. that's the mathematics of creation. That's the mathematics of a living universe. Wow, that's fantastic. Right. And when we're teaching our children the mathematics of this dead universe, we're encouraging them to stay in this satanic infested reality. Yeah, absolutely. You see? So let me Boxing ask you this. Let me ask you this then, Janice, because obviously you've, you've taken the books and you've created a wonderful curriculum around birth and conscious birthing and the home. But let's say for Ahanu and I, who are grandparents of, uh, I have one granddaughter who's seven, and, you know, if we were to, to create this type of a home space for ourselves at this point in our lives, and she would come to that place, you know, because she's connected to us uh, genetically or energetically, because I have a deep connection with her, do you think she'd benefit from that energy? Because I can see in her now that there's a part of her that is still very connected to her natural self, but it's slowly being taught out of her, if you know what I mean. Okay? Yep. And she's not in, yep. a, she's not in a necessarily... Um, well, she, she's got parents who are normal, let's just say. Normal for society. Okay, but would that benefit her if we created that sort of a space? ourselves absolutely and it's you know especially if you're doing it with the consciousness that you want to benefit her and also benefit your children right your absolutely. own children you know yeah. the parents of your grandchildren <laughs> yeah so that your space is is there to benefit your family line right and it will yes it will mm -hmm. yes and it's the most important thing you can do at this point in your life 
Well, That's it's my opinion. It's certainly why we feel we came to California, is for her. And, you know, yet it's been really unclear, other, aside from being with her, and, you know, Hanu and I do think very differently than her folks, you know? So aside from being with her, you know, we, I always have this thought, what more can we do, what more can we do, you know? And um, so you're giving us some really good affirmative things that I've already been thinking about, but it's probably good for yeah, every grandparent to know, isn't it, you know? <laughs> plant, plant a tree or some kind of plant specifically for her. Maybe you could have her help you. Yes. And tell her that this one's fair. If it grows fruit or something or berries, even better. Right. <clears throat> you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, plant something special for her. That's what I would say. Okay. Maybe enlist her help. But with the, with the awareness that she should have some special thing on the earth and some special place. Right. Right. Okay. Yes. I think it will be very good. <laughs> mm. So and what, uh, you know, what could bring us more joy than doing this for our families, you know? Well, and, and, and for the earth, to too. something meaningful. You know, and, and for the earth herself as well. Because, yes. Yes, you know. Yes, it is. Yeah, because that that whole nourishing element and connection to the earth is is so so important right now. And so let me ask you, Janice, based on what you've been doing now with these books, and we all are very aware of the dark forces. And the thing is, is it, at least we are seeing people wake up to what those dark forces are doing and actually taking a stand. But overall, in, in general for the world, um, you know, do you have hope for us? I do, and I especially think for the people that have read the books. And I would say, you know, for us to aspire to really understand um, our purpose and to understand what the Creator understand the Creator's design and what the Creator wants for us and how we can contribute to that, those are, those are very high aspirations. And certainly to aspire to leave something important for our family, for our children and our grandchildren, a special place. And if you're of the age to create children, you know, to create them in a very um, sacred and loving way, these are extremely high aspirations and will make a huge difference. And like you said, touching the earth with love. Bring, you know, the earth is craving, every living thing is craving even a glance right. of love. That is us. true. I, you know, we talk, about true. we talk about little things too, even when you have plants in your home. You know, how many of us, you know, let's say, how many of us walk by a plant that we know needs water? And we're, we're out the door. Do you know what I mean? Or we don't touch it. We don't talk to it. We just, we put it there because we think it's pretty or it adds decor. But, you know, you walk by a plant and it's screaming for water. And you go, oh, I'll get to it later. Do you know? And just, just even if you take the time to say no, you'll give it to it now. You know, you'll give it the attention it needs now because it's a living thing and you wouldn't like to be you know, starving for water. But I think you're right that people do not recognize, you know, the the active life force uh, being that is actually there through a plant or, th or through even a mineral or a piece of food or anything. I mean, 
really, I, I always tell people, start paying attention where you live or about all the little things that are going on in your environment or grow some food even in a pot in your home if you don't have a piece of land. You know, just start to do something, you know, to increase your, your connection to life because it is true that when you don't see things separately, when you look at everything as as you, as part of you, it you get a really, really different feeling of love uh, and unity everywhere as opposed to not paying any attention at all of something that you think, you know, is inanimate or doesn't have any consciousness whatsoever. So, yeah, anyway. Well, they do have consciousness, and they are alive, and they do respond to our love and our care for them. Every living thing does. Right. I mean, human love is extremely important and extremely powerful for all living things. And so we have to get that. We have to, you know, every time we pick up a piece of meat and put it in our mouth, too, you know, we should be realizing that this is an animal and it could have benefited from our love and care for it instead of our desire to consume it, you know? Right, yeah. <laughs> These are very basic, uh, so, so what are you... very basic things but so far removed from our culture. I just want to tell a quick story about, yeah. um, I have a coleus, you know, mm-hmm. that yeah. was uh, turning all white. Yeah, I love coleus. And my thoughts about the coleus were like, oh, you know, I don't know what's wrong with this plant. It's turning all white. And then I read The Secret Life of Plants, and I realized that the the plants are responding to my thoughts that I'm having. So I apologize to the coleus, you know, for having such, you know, not nice thoughts about it. Just Mm -hmm. kind of wondering what the hell's wrong with the plant. Um, (laughs) And now the coleus is like coming back full pink because I'm thinking nice thoughts about it all the time, you know, hoping for its recovery and hoping for its well-being. Yeah, I do love coleus anyway. Aren't they gorgeous plants? They're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. I didn't know why it was turning white, but it might have been turning white because I was looking at it thinking it's not beautiful. Well, that could be. It really does make a difference how we see those things. I know it. I mean, I... I think what people don't really understand is how powerful their thoughts are. I think, it, you know, thoughts are dime a dozen, right? We think them all day long. We're not even, we don't even stop to contemplate the fact that we can think. And I just think people take it for granted. They don't understand that at all levels their thoughts are creating things. And, you know, that's coming to the fore more and more and more uh, with me. Just, I mean, I've always known it, but I really am getting it in a really bigger way now. And I'm very conscious of what I'm thinking about somebody or how I'm seeing them. And I'll catch myself if my thoughts start turning to, you know, a judgment or something. You know, I'm becoming very, very, very aware. And I do think eventually you get to this harmless place within yourself that you just don't have any interest anymore in harming anything. And... um so let me ask you this then. I know there's. I want to say, isn't that a beautiful, a beautiful thing to live by? Is the concept of do no harm first. Yes. Before anything else, do no harm. That's right. Yeah, just consider that. Yeah, do no harm. <laughs> but let me ask you this too, with the meat issue, because yeah. this is this is where I come from with it. You know, I do seem to have a body that does require it 
periodically, and I don't like the fact that that seems to be the case. But um, the truth is, is that, you know, plants react also to being killed and being eaten. So what do you do? I mean, because, you know, we can't really say that eating vegetables and plants is better than eating meat because, you know, they've registered that, that plants scream also when they're cut and, and all of that. So how do you resolve the, until you get to the place where you're living off of light, which I do believe is a natural evolution. Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Well, one thing I can say is that when you are... Um well, you're a vegetarian, okay? If you pick a leaf off of a plant, it's not the same as killing the plant. Or if you pick a strawberry or a pear or an apple, um, the fruit is obviously there for us. You know, it's just overflowing all over the place. If we would stop paving over it all, uh, we would have food all around us and not have to hurt anything at all. Um, if we'd stop poisoning what we call weeds... You know, yeah. this is food. Mm -hmm. This is very important food. And we can pick a leaf off of the plant, you know, without killing the plant. It's very different than um, an animal because that animal has to be killed. And most of the time it's been imprisoned and really tortured, really tortured. Mm -hmm. What they're doing to animals is horrific. And the deeper you go into that rabbit hole, the, the darker it gets. So it's very, very different. You know, there's a different quality of energy when you don't have to kill a living thing right. in order to sustain your life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know why people think that they have to consume animals or why they think their body needs it. I mean, maybe, maybe supplementation is necessary with things like chlorella or spirulina, you know, things that... Eating quinoa, which is a perfect protein, so much better for us than eating any piece of meat, you know, is cooking quinoa yeah. and eating that. Mm -hmm. And there's ways to balance the body. If The longer that you're a vegetarian, you know, the, the, the more that you learn about mm -hmm. how to bring balance to the body without mm -hmm. having to consume an animal. Right. So for me, it's... You know, it's it's just something, it's been 20 years almost, so I, I don't think I'll ever go back to, to yeah. consuming animals at this point. So, yeah, that's okay. my answer to that. Is it, well, yeah, it's a good it's answer. It's different. We don't have to kill a plant. We don't have to kill a fruit tree or a blueberry bush or blackberries, you know, or strawberries. It's just there for us, always. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a very good answer. Well, the animals are here <laughs> for themselves. The animals have a, a, a right to their life. Yes, I agree with that 100%. They do. And so do our children, by the way, that end up in our womb. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Right yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but we don't think that that matters either. So it's just what's happened to us in consciousness that we think it doesn't matter, you know? Right. But it does. Yeah, we've really gotten so far Wait, off track, haven't we? But to do no harm. Yes. You know, that would include mm -hmm. not harming our unborn, our unborn children or not harming an animal. That's right. Absolutely. Or a tree. You know, I have, there's people that come to this house where I live that they call gardeners who are basically butchers because they mm -hmm. have no consciousness about the, 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 the uh, 
plants that they're interacting with, you know. So I have to spend a lot of time apologizing to these plants because I can't get, because I live it with my parents, I can't get them for two years to try some other people who, you know, are more loving right. to the plants. Mm -hmm. It's been very frustrating. But, yeah, if yeah. everybody's focused from the premise of do no harm, that would include everything that we touch, you know, every plant in yeah. our environment. And That's yes, right. taking that five minutes to water them. Right. Absolutely. If it, you know? Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. 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 And book one in the series has a sunflower, and Vladimir Megrim says that the sunflower promises power, warmth, and nourishment, all attributes of the sun itself. Anastasia says every garden should have one. And on bo uh, book number three, for example, it has a lily, which is a symbol of purity and the flower of the resurrection. Resurrection is the meaning of the name Anastasia in Greek. Do you think that was all thought out? at that depth, or is it just purely presentation? First of all, the, the first edition of the book had completely different art. Mm -hmm. And you can still get the books with the original art okay. um, through the Ringing Cedars website if you buy the whole series. You can get mm -hmm. the original art. Mm -hmm. And in my opinion, the original art is much more powerful than the flowers. Right, right. And they have edited the books. The, the publishers have edited the books and have added that information in that you are now reading about the flowers. Right, I see. Because that wasn't, wasn't in the original edition yes. of the books. And I think there's certain things missing from the, new, the, the edition of the books with the new art that have the flowers on the cover. So if you get a chance, you know, to see the original art, yes, because there's extreme there's extreme magic in the original art. Yes, I'd and I like think that. the original art is in Russia. You know, every everywhere in the world where they're being translated, there's different artists doing covers for the books. You yes. know, I happen to tune in to the books. You know, when the Ringing Cedars were just coming out in English, so I had the original English art. Mm -hmm. But they're very powerful. You know. Very powerful. I, I don't like know them. about the flowers. I don't. Yeah, I like the them. The flowers are pretty. Yeah. The reason they did the flowers is because they wanted the books to be appealing to a wider audience. Right. And the original art has a lot of magic. You know, it looks like um, it would make it easy for people who are not spiritually inclined to say, "Oh, poo-poo on that." You know, it's all fluff. Because yes. look at it's a magic in those pictures. You know. Yes. <laughs> and there's one really beautiful picture on book five where. You see people in the space of love, right? There's a beautiful uh, grandfather sitting against a tree and a beautiful family, you know. And in the background is the technocratic world, all the filth in the sky and the buildings and the, you know, uh, things pumping out smoke out of their, out of their uh, chimneys and just the filth of the technological world. And there's a rainbow coming out of the technological world into the future Earth where this beautiful family is right. in this gorgeous, pristine, flourishing garden. Okay. So there's one of the books that has a cover of, uh, I think it's book six, Book of Kin, 
has a cover of a grandfather sitting against a tree. And when you look in that man's eyes, you see God. That's not Just Vladimir Migre, is it? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> no offense to Vladimir, because Vladimir obviously has done tremendous important work in terms sure. of bringing the books forward. You know? Yes, yes, yes. But yes. the guy in the picture is a... Uh, is an elder, you know, with a long beard, and just, you could see the wisdom yes. in his eyes and the love. You know, there's a pristine human there Yes, well, that, we've, that we haven't really been able to make contact with. We've talked about some wonderful things today with you, Janice Barcelo. We talked about the background to the Anastasia books and how you yourself first got hold of them and the impact they've had on you and the work that you've done with them and how they have helped transform your life too and you talked about what's covered in the series we talked a little bit about paradise earth and spirituality in general and you spoke very eloquently about conscious conception and birthing in the space of love and the various methods to connect with the earth we did speak a little bit disparagingly about Vladimir Migre. I have to say that's my own personal joke because he himself brings himself across in his writing as being somewhat humble and a little ignorant. But in fact, the truth is, I think he's actually a master, a master writer and really, really professional the way he does things. And then you spoke at length about the entities that are created through sex. And towards the end of the, our program today, we talked a little bit about meat eating and vegetarianism. And of course, the whole issue of spraying plants with insecticides and pesticides and paving over the earth and all that negative stuff. And then we talked a little bit about the artwork on the books. Now, I'd really love for you to tell people how to get hold of these books and how to get hold of you in the last couple of minutes that we have. Sure. If you want to get hold of the books, please go to ringingcedars.com. Ringing like a bell, cedars like the trees, ringingcedars.com. And if you are inclined to buy the whole series, get the series with the original art would be my, my recommendation. Um, if you want to get a hold of me, please go to birthofanewearth.com or my blog at birthofanewearth.blogspot.com. And, yeah, I've got a teacher training coming up in July for people that are interested to go deep into this information. Um, we, take, we go from A to Z in terms of how to bring forth life in the most beautiful way. <laughs> and I think that's important. <laughs> and where are you holding those, Janice? That is through uh, teleclasses, so okay. people can participate from anywhere in the world. Okay, fantastic. Yeah, just I'm on the radio with you right now, it's just, it happens the same way. Oh, fantastic. All right, well, we're going to look those yeah. up ourselves. <laughs> okay. Sweet. Great. Yes. All right, well, it is time to wind down, isn't it, Ahana? We're yeah. almost finished. Wait. Okay, so we're... Thank you so much, Janice, once again for a wealth of information and continued discussion uh, in the future about what we were, what was she saying was another Pandora's box. I forgot. But we will be in touch and open up a lot of doors um, further into this work, which is absolutely wonderful. Thank you so much for being 
on this planet and helping be a part of this new earth. Well, ditto. Thank you so much for having me and for caring about this information. Thank you. Thank well. you. You're very, very welcome. Okay, we have to leave it there. Uh -huh. and. We will say goodbye to you, Janice. We we appreciate you so much and we bless you and send the best of good luck and blessings with all of your work. And we hope to speak to you again Thank very, very you. soon. Okay. Remember our free group, Akashic Records, online tomorrow morning, which is Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Pacific time. You can find out more information about that at worldofempowerment.com. That's all one word, worldofempowerment.com. And if you'd like to come on the show and discuss your passion or your spiritual business, contact us at angelrose.com. I'll spell it. It's the Irish word for angel, A-I-N-G-E-A-L-R-O-S-E.com. So we send you our love blessings and thanks for listening to Ahanu and Angel Rose on the Honest to God series. Slán agus Benacht de Liv Galair. This is the Art of Living Well Radio Network. Radio to inspire enlightened living. The Honest to God series with Anne Gale Rose and Ahanu.